welcome to the Talking Security Podcast. We will talk about items related to Microsoft security. Hello, welcome again at a new recording of the Talking Security Podcast. And today we're kicking off a new series of recordings that we are doing with us three and us who are us. So my name is Frans Harenderp and I will host this podcast together with... Yes, my name is Poeyan Kabazi and I am Sander ten Brinke. So with the three of us, we are diving in DevSecOps. And that so are that's, an, that's a new topic that we will try to cover uh, within the next few episodes to see from three points of view to see what happens in, the, in, in, in a world where developers, security, but also operations uh, came in. Isn't it, uh, Puyan? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the task behind this uh, podcast series is to give a good understanding and discuss some known uh, issues that we see with our customers on our daily uh, work for ourselves. To tackle those, to discuss them with three different uh, uh, backgrounds and see, is it solvable? Is it can we do anything about it? Uh, and what can we do about it? Um, yeah. Before we dive in, um, who do we have on the table? Um, most of the people know me already uh, because I host this podcast um, for a long time already. Um, my name is Frans Houdenorp, a freelance consultant architect within the workplace security area. Uh, so advising companies how to manage a workplace, how to secure them so every people, every user in that organization can um, work secure on the data and on the, 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 the stuff that is used within the company. Um, besides that, Microsoft MVP and uh, love to... Uh, record stuff <laughs> with this uh, with, with with this gear. Um, so uh, active in the in the community for workplace ninjas, uh, doing this talking security podcast, but also um, helping experts live uh, workplace ninja summit and other conference to be uh, to be organized. That's me, Sander. Sure. Uh, my turn. So um, I'm Sander Ten Brinke. I'm a senior .NET developer for Arcadi. Um, so I do a lot of consulting and companies uh, building applications with .NET, uh, Azure solutions, stuff like that. Um, also Microsoft MVP. So I like to uh, blog on my website. I like to go to conferences. I haven't been to one that you've uh, hosted yet, so maybe in the future. And uh, yeah, I, since uh, a couple of months, I like uh, talking on podcasts. So I'm glad to be here. Let's see uh, what what the future brings within this uh, <laughs> this episode. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we have another one, Puyan. Yeah. Uh, you you you're still uh, yeah the last one, but not the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing together uh, Defender for Cloud series uh, for uh, this Talking Security podcast. Yeah. Uh, so uh, people may may already know you, but um, what are you doing in your normal day job? Yeah, so yeah, we are doing our, uh, in parallel the, the Defender for uh, Cloud series uh, to get more awareness on the whole 
cloud, uh, containerization, APIs, DevOps. Um, yeah, I'm the co-founder uh, of Eightfence. Uh, we are a managed uh, security service provider in the Netherlands, located in the Rotterdam. Uh, fully Microsoft uh, focused, so we do a lot uh, with Microsoft Sentinel, Defender for Cloud, and 365 Defender. Um, I do a lot of talks on some of the sessions and events that you uh, discussed, mostly on Sentinel, Defender for Cloud uh, topics, uh, more the modern application, and that's something I'm really interested in. Um, yeah, I'm also a Microsoft MVP on security. So uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I think with this expertise at this table, I, I think we have a really great opportunity to bring all those knowledge together from all those backgrounds. So I think yeah, I'm really really looking forward to this. Definitely with Sander, our developer, to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we had some thoughts in uh, in the past uh, doing together. Um, I from I, I've been in the workplace area for 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 a long time. Puyan is in more or less data center activities um, and nowadays security. So um, the things that we uh, thought of was how could it be if we add some developer usage to that and see if we can do something with that. And uh, that's the reason uh, why we you have you <laughs> on the table. And I feel so honored. <laughs> and and let's see if we can make um, yeah and a couple of information that we have facing in, in the past, but also maybe in the future, and uh, to elaborate a little bit on, uh, on that. Um, before diving into the first topic that we want to discuss this uh, today, um, what what do we want to achieve with uh, this recording? Do we have any thoughts about that? Well, from my perspective as a developer, I think it would be really good to like if uh, other developers are listening as well. Um, development has been has gotten like more difficult, more complex with cloud stuff and all that, uh, all these new new things that we're working with. And I definitely see that things like security and like working together with operations can be kind of difficult it mean it's a whole new new whole new area for us to think about because it's kind of you know DevSecOps is, is a to me is a thing that needs to be um cared about by everyone in those respective teams and so i would really like to kind of talk about specific subjects here and like make the developers yeah have a bit more and just get more information about all of these different areas and how to work with them and things to pay attention to how is that for you uh Puyan? Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the, the whole key. Um, by uh, because with going, I mean, what you see is a lot of organizations, companies are going towards the cloud, yeah. and with cloud, um, suddenly everything becomes development. You have like infrastructure development, you have application development, you have like uh, no code or low code solutions. Um, so everything going towards from a physical data center where we were used to the servers making that switch definitely in our last episode we also talked about the risks with apis for example right yep. because due to the increase of it like our countries like australia are having regulations for it now mm. um so i think taking all those challenges into uh in, into consideration and definitely with the shift towards the cloud uh, it's so important to bring those three groups together uh, 
so that they can enrich each other instead of blocking each other or instead of stopping innovation because innovation is the at the end the key yeah. of the of the organization that's that's their purpose so yeah i, th- I think for me that the goal will be um to to get a clear understanding on definitely if, if we go deeper on the developer side like uh how s- certain integrations would be possible and like if I can already discuss, but things like managed identity. How do you do identity in cloud? Yeah? Because we, and definitely topics on zero trust and, mm. and that kind of, I think those are relevant uh, instead of just saying zero cloud. Like what, is, what does it mean for the developers operation and, uh, and security? Um, yeah, if we, if we look at the topics that we want to discuss, the first topic uh, we want to uh, discuss a little bit on um, is uh, the workplace, the developer workplace, and how we can achieve um, certain security that is necessary uh, to... We are putting a lot of security stuff on the normal workplace, but how can we achieve that on, on, a, on a developer workplace? That will, will be the first topic. Um, what are the other topics... Uh, for the next few episodes we have some thoughts but that can be yeah. uh, changed in um if there is a certain topic there was some some something in the news last week or the week before uh, about NuGet um, uh, packages that were vulnerable yeah so uh i think last week i read that somewhere on, on reddit or something about uh, a NuGet package that was found to be quite malicious and was uh, in use by uh, a lot of other packages and um, well, this happens a lot in other ecosystems like uh, NPM, but it is quite rare to find something like this in the .NET ecosystem with NuGet. So the entire the community was kind of shaken up by it. And I found that a very interesting topic to talk about. That is that in days like this where everything is like integrated with each other with DevOps and stuff, this, this thing can really uh, ruin a company or ruin a product really quickly if this is not in check. Yeah, we have seen that um, a, a year ago or so. Um, yeah. What was it? Was it Log4J? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something with Java. Exactly. Yeah. But that, I think that's exactly the key because we you, at those times, I think you experienced that as well. And you, we had like customers that went to security.microsoft and said, okay, this is what's vulnerable, this is servers are vulnerable, and everything is else not. And you had like organizations that needed to go with all the servers one by mm-hmm. one and then check it up. And then they upgraded it and then suddenly there was a second vulnerability. So yeah. But yeah. that's what that that could be one of the topics. So it could be an actual topic that is in the news for for exactly. example. Are there any other things that we want to uh, to discuss? Yeah, so we are, um, uh, if you look at the DevSecOps, uh, one, of, one of the ideas that we discussed, like you, you have different phases, right? You have you have the first phase where it's planning, where, where the architecture comes in place. Like if you start there, because often a lot of <coughs> security uh, misconfiguration of vulnerabilities uh, come from the design mm. because not the right people have checked the design. So you're saying it's my fault. Yeah, it's always the developer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, uh, and then from there, like going forward, and then 
looking on the coding side, like exactly what you meant with ex using external Nugget packages, for example. Yeah. yeah. Like what can we do about it? Yeah. Uh, what can we have in place? Yeah. What do you need to be kind of considerate about, right? Lots of developers like to install and use all of these packages because everything is done for me, you know? It's so much easier, but you know, no one really thinks about this dependency, uses this dependency, uses that dependency, and that one's vulnerable. And then the entire chain, you know, is kind of broken. And that yeah. kind of stuff. So really also like from a developer perspective, and then we can also move on to the security perspective. Like how would the security side of the DevSecOps like want to deal with this? And where, yeah. you know, the developer side might say, hey, uh, I just want to be able to use all these Nougat packages because the, the, the client wants the product tomorrow. And the, the security is in my way. So kind of where's the middle ground here? How do you, how do you solve this problem? Uh, they have drawn a lot of cartoons uh, mm. for <laughs> that kind of things because... Um, the user wants it yesterday. Exactly. Uh, exactly. We, we can deliver it uh, next week, but at, to have it somewhat in between, it's sometimes it's sometimes hard. Um, let's see if we dive in uh, to the first topic, the developer workplace. Um, all the other topics will be discussed in the in, in the next few episodes that we will recording. Um, but what about the workplace? I I have an example. I worked at a company a few years ago to implement um, Defender for Endpoint with all the security stuff, ASR, attack surface reduction rules, and so on, and so on. But the developers are using um, virtualization software like uh, uh, Sun Photobox or Hyper-V or VMware, what is it called? Uh, VMware Workstation mm -hmm. and uh, that, that kind of stuff. And if you activate attack surface reduction rules, uh, there are a few of them that are requiring uh, virtualization. Um, credential Guard, for, uh, for example, uh, yeah. or so, some others. Do you also st mean stuff like, would Docker then still work? Do you know that? Because that would also definitely impact like the, the my side here, right? It could be. Well, mm. I, I, I do not have the experience with that customer. Um, at that customer, it was some VirtualBox, uh, VMware Workstation um, that were running. Mm. But they were broken after the, uh, the defender and attack surface reduction was enrolled. Mm -hmm. So, it, the security meshes that you have uh, that you are implementing at a customer, it could definitely broke a developer workplace. Mm. So, how to deal with that? Also, from a management perspective, so yeah, you need to test it and so on and so on. So, you, uh, definitely, but in in the end, what most of the times happens is that, oh, the developer workplace, let's exclude them from everything, and they manage it on their own. Mm -hmm. And if we are going that yeah. way, it's quite hard to have a security posture uh, that is optimal in your, exactly. in your environment. So if you look at the developers, it's sometimes hard to achieve, uh, to, to implement everything, but... If you if you are on the other side, Sander, yeah. um, what are your thoughts when I come within your company to help to uh, to help your organization um, to get your security posture on a higher level? I mean, I've uh, I've had this exact. I wouldn't call it a problem. I've had this exact situation at one of my former clients. And then it was also like, I was just, you know, I was logging into my computer. Uh, it did not have BitLocker installed and stuff like that. And uh, I was using Visual Studio. I could run stuff as admin. And, I, you know, I could just do my work. 
And then the security came in and said, yeah, okay, so now we're going to now uh, enable BitLocker on your computer. So every time you start it, you have to enter that annoying pin code. And uh, all of the, you want to install Python? Well, you have to send the, uh, the help desk an email that you want to install this malicious software because we don't know what that is. And it's like, just let me do my job. It was, it is really, to me, it was very important on how it is introduced. And also, if you are going to make the stuff more secure, which is, of course, very important, how do you communicate it and how do you plan it in? Like, I, if you just wake up one day and suddenly your entire workstation is gone because you're not, no longer allowed to run, I don't know, some debugging software that you need because it's not assigned by Microsoft or something like that. It is very much more secure, but it also has a really big impact on my work, which I think should be communicated a lot more, a lot better. I think a lot more investigation should take place. Yeah, and most of the times, if you are developing, mm. uh, you need to compile software and so on. So um, it is not signed at that moment. Exactly. So you need to compile it to be uh, to have it signed, so you can unroll it in your organization. Exactly. So you're in, but as a developer, you're in the you're in the front row, and if you are are assigning all the attack surface reduction rules, for example, mm. you have a big issue because y you can't do your work anymore. Exactly. Um, what we see um, in general at that moment is that most of the developers, okay, um, I will put out my laptop mm. completely from the, uh, the, the, the organization's tenant domain or whatever, and then it's a single device. He's managing, the developer is managing on his own, his mm. own stuff. But the company data, the code, but also documents that I, that is here working on, are on a non-managed device. So we have potentially an issue on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how to handle that? Is there is is there a solution? Of, for example, with uh, code, uh, is there is there, is there something to to realize if we are going that way? So I'm managing the complete workplace. The developer is spinning up virtual machines to do stuff with so he can work mm. can we have, do we have tools in our hands to manage the data and i do not mean uh, the documents but uh, more in general the code, the code that, uh, that that's using yeah i think it <coughs> the, the the code part and accessing it from which device is is a topic that's often not realized by a lot of organizations but i think i'm completely agree with you it's a really big concern because the moment that you access the repository of a customer and you make your uh, git clone mm. it's gone technically yeah yeah and you don't have any uh pure view that you monitor your data or files where they are where they are so um for that, there are some solutions like GitHub Copilot uh, code or Codespaces, excuses, um, where you get an editor in your browser, if I'm correct. Yeah, in your browser, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it in your browser. And it, 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 it is cool, but as a developer, it, it also... It stays at cool, right? <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Keep your hands off my computer. It's, you know, it's like, it's my machine. I want to do, yeah. do all the cool stuff. It, it is a good idea, but... It is still quite new. But would it be then um, to, to before we dive into the whole uh, attack service, would it be for a developer acceptable when you start a project at a customer that the customer provides their device that's configured with their environment policies 
taking in assumption that it's configured correctly for the developer, right? So with the right configuration or as, as much as possible. Um, because then you cannot start, of course, doing things with conditional access. Yeah, Definitely with uh, Azure DevOps and GitHub, you can uh, restrict accessing those applications from non-managed devices. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I've had that at a previous client as well. So I was basically like logging two laptops with me every day, which is okay. Like the, the laptop from my, from my employer and then the laptop from the client. Um, and it definitely works. Like I'm not really complaining about that all that much. Uh, I had the access I needed. And uh, if I needed more, I could contact the help desk. You do need to pay attention, though, because the laptop that we got was kind of the same laptop that Janet from reception got. So whenever I tried to run like two Docker uh, containers and Visual Studio, the laptop just slowed down to a crawl. And at that point, you just see people just kind of whipping out their own laptops, maybe grabbing a USB stick, putting the code on it, putting the code on the other laptop and actually do their work. So it is definitely an option. However, maybe it's more of a question for you guys then, because then how is it then really possible if I were to clone the code on my machine? Is it how do you then prevent that stuff from leaking? Because I could still, couldn't I still put it in a USB stick? How is that kind of, couldn't I still put it on a USB stick and walk away with it? Like, is that also, is there also ways to defend that kind of situation? So um, I think that the idea behind it is that once you are working on a managed device, mm. the organization has access to restrict or monitor certain behaviors. So maybe they don't block the fact that you copied something to a USB stick, mm. right? But it's um, definitely if we dive into the Defender and, and, and Defender uh, portal with a timeline, it's, it's completely um, uh, registered what activities what user have done. So mm. those activities can, would be, for you example... Can, you can block... Um, if it's your own devices, the device is not managed, mm. then then it's quite hard. Yeah. Um, but it's a man if it's a managed device, yeah. um, then we have full insights from uh, Defender first. But also, um, if you, if you look at all the the logging that is coming from a, a, a Defender for endpoint agent uh, with Custo, you can dive in. Uh, every single piece, and you can see what happens with code that. Uh, files that are copied mm. um, but inside the risk uh, that's another one within um, the purview suite with inside the risk um, you can also view what things are copied mm. but if it's a managed device you have the opportunity to block uh, USB devices uh, and especially storage devices so you can put in a storage device onto a managed device, but you can't use it because it's not detected anymore. Mm. Also, or maybe it's like not allowed and stuff like that. Yeah. So you could have like company USB sticks, company external hard drives and stuff like that. Those are signed some way. And those you can use those. Yeah. Yeah, it's you, based on the serial, mm. uh, the, the 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 hardware hash that's on. Uh, my, I think it's a hardware hash, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. But there is a uh, an indicator that can be used. Uh, to make it a trusted device. So if you put that in a, a managed laptop, then you can use it as a managed USB stick, for example. Mm. And also a BitLocker uh, to go on it. Uh, you can make it a bit more secure, yeah. but uh, it's still a, a storage device that can be um, yeah, moved out. Mm. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, if you are using... Um, conditional access with 
um, probably GitHub, but also others. Um, if you are allowed to use that data on a non-trusted device, yeah, yeah then that that's an issue. If you are may using that on a trusted managed device, then you can't use it on your own. And the only way how you can achieve uh, data on your laptop on that non-managed device yeah. could be copying uh, copying it in, uh, within an email uh, yeah. uh, like a USB stick probably, but. Uh, if there's always a way yeah i was i was about to say like it, yeah. it really depends on like how far do you want to go because i yeah. there was a there was there was a discussion on reddit about this some time ago and people were like so how can we like make sure that the develop my employer says that developers should be able to work on the code and then when they close it they're no can longer can see the code and i was like well you can just take a picture on your screen i mean you can you can you could pour cement in the usb ports it doesn't really matter what you do i mean it really depends on how far you want to go in this that's always well. the discussion with information protection um yeah. yeah with information protection in general um you're closing a document uh, you make a door with um azure information protection or how is it called today um, Microsoft Entra? No, I don't know. No, Something no, no. With Entra. Yeah. But information protection, uh, you have the opportunity to encrypt a, f a specific file mm -hmm. um, and I can send you the file. You can't, uh, you ca you can't access that file if you aren't allowed to it. Um, but if I'm allowed, I can take a picture. Exactly. And you can write it down. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always, there's always an escape. But mm. If you want to do, if if data is secured and you need to take one or three steps extra, mm. it's quite a bit harder. Uh, so there is probably a less, let's say less, um, information that can be leaked. Yeah, there's sh still that can be. Uh, we have seen that at ASML for uh, for example, uh, some some people from abroad uh, from China. Uh, came there to work, they were inside the company and then there was data leaked. Yeah, if someone is working there, you can still use the data mm. and you can bring it somewhere yeah. where you want if you have access to the data. It, I guess it also is important like from a developer perspective, um, like if I think of like data, I'm either thinking of like boring SharePoint documentation or maybe from my perspective, a lot more like, you know, code and stuff like yeah. that. So if we're saying like, you know, we don't want our developers to steal code. Well, to me, code is not very secret. I mean, just code itself is just kind of boring. It's just some some numbers on the screen or some characters on the screen. The most important things are like the things like secrets, right? Like the, the connections to your to your external systems, connections to financial systems, to messaging systems. You don't want those to be... Um, you don't want those to leak. So then to me, it's very important, like put those put those credentials somewhere very, very safe and make sure that developers don't need to, even need, need to have those on their devices. Make sure that they can just connect their local machine to the cloud and they don't need to, con when they're setting up their code, they don't even need to store them on their device itself so they can't even leak. If you yeah. want those to leak, you actually have to have access to the Azure cloud or maybe someone was looking at it and you have to take a picture of it. That, that those are such weird scenarios those are not even really worth mentioning uh, for, yeah. cr for credentials probably uh, that's the case yeah um, if you're in general code everyone could no not everyone but if you are a developer uh, you can create code and probably uh, you can copy if you see an application you can make your own yeah. uh, of it uh, you don't need the code but if you have the back end and 
then it could be probably uh, a little bit different. Um, but if we look at the the developer uh, endpoint, the workplace, mm. um, if we want to achieve some some security, there is definitely a need to make some enhancements that could that are different than the normal users, in my opinion. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that developers they don't necessarily need more freedom i guess it really depends on the on the workplace itself if i need like if i'm really working with like virtual machines like you say my i think my machine needs to have more capabilities than the one from reception the one from reception can probably be locked down completely um but it's also very important to then take a look like if we're really going to have to lock everything down maybe we need to switch from virtual machines to another to another um to another solution like a docker or some, something else that doesn't need require all that deep virtualization yeah so you but want to develop, but we also really want to develop in a secure manner. Yeah. And then you, then you just need to kind of change your entire development culture about that as well. But I had uh, that's a good point because I had a conversation about it a couple of weeks ago. It's like you can do like, integrate your EDA with uh, with a uh, Docker container, right? Mm. Where you do the build and that kind of steps through uh, through the container. But don't we create <coughs> by implementing those solutions again a, a black uh, hole? Because as security and operations, we don't have any visibility of what happens into uh, that environment. Um, the same is like with Windows subsystems. Um, I don't know how far they are now, but relying on the Windows subsystem is still not part of Defender, if I'm correct. Do you mean like stuff like WSL? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. No. I'm not really sure. I, I don't know at the moment. I, it's not on top of my mind. Mm. Um, so do we then create, um, do we move the risks to somewhere else? Because then you say, okay, uh, dear developer, we are going to lock down your laptop, um, but we are going to give you the possibility to run Docker containers, and then you can build your application in a Docker container. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Um like if we were to do something like that, I think that is at least for a developer perspective. At least if, you're, if we're thinking of, hey, we're going to bring security into the workplace because this is a thing that's often neglected. If we're saying, okay, we're moving virtual machines to Docker, to me, that would be a benefit. Because I mean, I am going to be able to um, use more modern modern systems like Docker to where instead of like using old VMs. I'm not really sure how it, you know, how visible it is in like the management perspective, like the ops perspective, uh, the, the uh, security perspective, how you can monitor that kind of stuff. But I think it would be beneficial. Um, and risk-wise, again, then it, if we're like, if I'm doing dark things on my machine that you can't monitor, then I think it is uh, a good thing to think about like, what am I doing and what can I do? Like if, if I am able to use company resources and do weird things with that that I shouldn't be able to do, then I think I should not have any access to mm -hmm. that kind of data. So do you then also agree that in general uh, the, the modern way of development is also going more towards using container kind of solutions for build and sure. testing on your on your laptop so that we really as security and operation need to focus on that element because I think it's currently used a lot like a way of uh, a workaround Right? Because as developer, you can do your thing, and the security can keep its policy generic over the uh, over the, the whole environment. Mm. But 
listening to you, you, you are pointing out that, okay, that's part of the uh, changes that in the way of working of developers. Yeah, so I think that if we want to improve security and stuff like that, then I definitely agree with security that, for example, I should not be able to um, run if it's if it's if it's required for the workplace and i need to run like 20 different vms and security is like yeah but you really don't need to do that because we can't secure we can't manage the security on that then i definitely agree okay let's find a solution here but i also want to be able to you know i don't i would prefer to be able to still use my machine docker and could it, uh, maybe help with this kind of stuff like building your applications in docker environments if that's also what you were kind of using vms for um yeah i, I guess the Definitely, Docker and stuff is already very popular nowadays with the with all the building the containers and hosting the containers in the cloud. Uh, I think if we're looking towards the future and like integrating security, um, I think we're definitely going to have to go back to that entire topic of like GitHub code spaces and Jet, JetBrains fleet. I think is also a kind of a new addition and stuff like that. You have lots of uh, lots of those products nowadays that you just open a browser, you code in there. And yeah, you've probably still copied the code into Notepad and still keep it. But the entire idea is that the code doesn't need to leave the server and it's yep. all company managed. And mm. it it is still pretty new. So I have some experience with it. I didn't really like it all that much. It, it's still, I, I don't have the same power that I currently have. And I think it's a cycle. I think the further further it goes, I think we're kind of heading into, in towards that direction. And then oh, developers are based development. Yeah, I think so. I think that over, over time, it, for like just normal applications, I think that's definitely a good idea. Um, as long as developers still kind of have the same energy, the same the same powers that they have before, where, uh, where, security, where security can also have more of an influence there. I think then both parties are really happy. I, th I think there are two things uh, on GitHub uh, code spaces, for example. Uh, if you look at the infra developers, uh, the infra is code and so on, um, I think that is can be used in code spaces quite quite good. Mm. If you're developing applications and you need to compile and so on and so on, then it could be quite harder to use it at the moment. Yeah. So I think for 30% uh, of the people that are using a GitHub, 30, 40, maybe it's different, but for the infra developers, Infrastructure developers. Yeah, so like infrastructure as code and kind yeah. of stuff like that. Yeah, and then it would, I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, I think if you're talking about like I'm building like a, I'm building like a mobile app or I'm building like a desktop app, I don't really actually know if GitHub Codespace is a good use for that right now because you really want to you know run the applications on your machine and it runs in a browser. Don't really know if that works that well. That's it. But I, I can imagine in the future it would be. Of course, another another thing that we could definitely talk about is like instead of like running the code on my machine. I'm going to use something like uh, Microsoft DevBox or like Azure uh, Virtual Desktop. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's also something that we, at least a question or as a, is offered as a solution a lot of time. But mm. yeah, related to that, um, yeah. at the Workplace Ninja Summit, I had a, a talk with uh, Michael van Hordenbeek and Sergey Chubarov about Privileged Access Workstation. Mm. Pri privileged Access Workstation is defined, uh, designed for an admin to do privileged tasks within a company uh, company environment like um, it's it's way old because hey, that was in the past used to manage Active Directory in an on-prem uh, environment, but nowadays it can also be implemented in a in, in a cloud scenario. 
that's for privileged actions. If mm. we look at developing, developing could be privileged. Yeah. If you if you're using credentials to backend systems, it it could be a privileged action. That uh, is there a way to have a that you have your normal device, right? you're doing your email stuff and, and so on, that you're doing that on your normal device and you have a second device that could be an Azure virtual desktop, that could be what else uh, to to do your code activities, your development activities. I mean, I have colleagues and stuff that have to use that uh, those solutions and while they work, I often also heard them just kind of cursing in the background because it, it doesn't really work all that well yet. If your internet connection is bad, it's super laggy. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, you, and it's just sometimes can be so annoying to have to open another, you know, if they open your laptop, you have to connect to a VM and guess what? In that VM, you have to connect to another VM to access a test database or like it's just VMs all the way down or like virtual desktops, I, should, I guess I should say. Um, so I think like it's kind of the same idea as code spaces. Again, we're just, you know, using another, we're using the cloud to code on so things can be managed better. While I think that is the future right now for development, I'm not really happy with the state where it's currently at. No. I definitely think for like lots of small, like a lot of like the infra is, I, I see infra, people that do infra as code are also developers, I think. But you know, it's for just for subsections. I think it works, but for the rest it still, it still needs to go for quite a while until I think it's really in the mainstream. Yeah, I think also to, to add to that is from security aspect, um, because we have we are also having a lot of uh, conversations with customers, right? To bring that to account thoughts, like you have a user account and an admin account, to bring that back to one and use PIM and that kind of solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and and to be honest, from my side, I, I my preference would also go to one device, because um, if you go if you go to an Azure Virtual Desktop, for example. It has a certain time lifetime, um, so you can go there, you can do things, and then it's gone, and then um, and, and it's really hard, much harder at least once you are investigating an incident to point out, okay, this developer was working from that machine, but oh, was locked on that machine. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be a much harder than saying okay no that's his endpoint or her endpoint and was working from there and uh, this is all the activities ha that happened and my preference would be seeing at least what happened and being able to as a, as a security researcher or as an incident responder when you are doing your response analysis to be able to see that in one environment instead mm -hmm. of going from uh, machine to machine to machine and then because you did something there and then something there and then um yeah so i i think that it lacks it's a it, it's an idea uh, it but it doesn't solve the problem it moves the problem to somewhere else yeah. you, you could also see it from like another perspective as a consultant so i go to the clients and work there and i bring my own laptop uh, you could also say that people that work internally at the company, you know, use a company-provided laptop or a co company-provided desktop, whereas I'm provided with like a Microsoft DevBox or an Azure Virtual Desktop, so I can still use the company, yeah. uh, my own laptop, but I connect to their resources using my laptop. If I leave yeah. the company, they disconnect the access. And for internal, uh, for internal uh, employees that just work there, it's, I think it could be a lot easier to manage just, you know, those devices itself. Would also really, you know, 
I'm stopped breaking my back having to carry two laptops. Yep. I had a colleague in the past that um, had to carry three laptops. The third laptop was just one to register the hours on because it was so locked down that the third laptop he had to bring on Friday just to register his hours on. And yeah, it's just, it was years ago, but I still remember it because it's just such a, you don't want to do that. No. I'd other question, uh, Puyan, you are running a business with uh, SOC analysts uh, doing stuff for customers. How hard is it for a security analyst to do some research on the developers? Because if hey, you already mentioned it, if they are hoping to other systems, uh, but if they are still on their own system, they are using tools that um, most of the time not known by um, a lot of security people. Um, they are developing, so it's could be uh, generate some some incidents that are related to uh, hack activities but they are normal in their day job yeah so is there what about the security analyst and is there a possibility to um yeah make their uh, some to, to move them out of the normal group so to say so i think um one uh, once it comes to work, uh, to the security analyst i think the biggest one of the biggest differences is that um we use a lot of defender suit for protection part right and that generates a lot of uh, great visibility mm -hmm. like from you know it as well uh, but, but if you go to the timeline of a developer's machine it's like noisy <laughs> 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 because so much happens there um so that's i think one of the keys it, it makes it harder to find the right activity um and the, another the hard thing is i mean it's good to have security analyst with an it background mm. because you see also our organization having security analysts that do not really understand the IT in the general, like the PC form and the, and, and, and the data center and the whole uh, ideas behind it. Um, they will be having a more hard time because they see like, because if you do a build on your machine, you see uh, something calling an executable, that executable calls something else and then that calls something else. There's a lot happening behind the screens that you as a developer, as an end user, don't see that. So that helps a lot by training your analyst um, and to so that they understand what that means so they have that ETA knowledge understanding of mm. those executables um so those are um and and I, I think again it depends we have like some um organizations that we work with like the developers use a lot of docker integration mm. like then it becomes a black hole uh, really because, yeah i mean what happened because if you attach your VS Code, for example, uh, to to um, to uh, to the Docker, remote, yeah, the remote Docker stuff, yeah, stuff like lo that, locally like even, and then it's all running in that Docker container. I'm gonna start using Docker for everything now. <laughs> so, but I think, and and I noted it because uh, we are planning to do a p podcast with the uh, with the for Defender uh, for contain containers and Kubernetes. I mean, that's a it's a great future that Max was providing, but. As far as I know at the moment, it's not supported for the on-prem mm. Docker containers like running, but I'm really curious. I mean, this is a great question to the PM. Like, is we'll, we'll this not something that we should be thinking of? Because 
Um, you say it's the usage of containerization on a developer's machine is going to increase. Oh, it is, it is already like it's basically in every company it's yeah. nowadays and it's just happening more and more and more. Yeah. Definitely. So, so shouldn't we already be injecting there and, and starting monitoring I there? I think so. I'm I'm quite surprised by the fact that you say that that wouldn't work. Like I'm I'm not I don't really focus much on the security side. I definitely pay attention to it during development and also I also do DevOps stuff. So I kind of I kind of keep an eye on the chain. But I really didn't expect that that kind of stuff wouldn't have worked for Docker because I feel it's such a vital part of developing nowadays. And it, it is also like if you look at the entire attack chain of the applications, developing and building your code or stuff like that is a very good way to attack a certain product or company that I would expect monitoring to already exist. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see an increase definitely with uh, we see uh, definitely an increase with uh, with some customers, more enterprise customers that mm -hmm. are really going towards that DevSecOps and are embracing um, that security monitoring and placing that by uh, uh, if it is on the local side, right? You have like uh, a lot of uh, non Microsoft vendors that provide security solutions. Mm -hmm that you can run and they are integrated with your EDA where you do code scanning before you commit your code. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. GitHub, uh, GitHub is doing that as well. Uh, yeah, GitHub, uh, GitHub Advanced Security in the badly named GitHub Advanced Security for Azure DevOps. It's like, something like yeah, that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. It's an absolute, I'm really happy that such a, such a thing is introduced and I also really think for security, that's also a really, really good thing yeah. to be able to use. Yeah. We, t we talked with one of the PMs about DevOps security. Uh, yeah. Probably we can do that another time, but um, mm. maybe within this setting, uh, from our perspectives uh, as well. So uh, let's see if we can uh, create a topic of that. Sure. Um, to wrap it up, we have a workplace that is normally managed for the normal users. For the developers, we make some other choices, but um, it's not necessary to leave them completely open. No, definitely not. I think it's definitely a good idea to lock it down a little bit more. Um, but what I often see is that, you know, we're doing security now and tomorrow your entire laptop is locked down. Yeah. I think it definitely needs a bit of, you know, why are we doing this? And also this can also be beneficial for you in certain ways. And, and let's explain that. Let's take some time and you're, you're really changing my entire like work day, my entire way of work. You're changing all of a sudden in the name of security and you're just, you know, you're, I'm, I'm getting so many disadvantages out of it. So really introduce this concept and take the developers with you. Yeah, that's that's one uh, one thing. A second thing is that uh, every developer is different from each other. Mm. So uh, in one company, we can enable a, a certain rule um, that couldn't be enabled uh, in another company because yeah. they are working on, in another way or whatever. So engaging and um, connecting with the developers to make it happen and make it work in the organization is, is in my opinion, is the most important thing. Yep. Because every organization is different from each other. Um, so uh, you are a developer, but you are developing .net. Yep. Um, others are developing Java uh, or no, name Lots it. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name it. Does uh, that exist still? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> to make a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> but so everything is different from each other. And that could be that also the security measures that you need to take that can be different. Yeah, yeah, definitely needs to you know like we wanted to say we want to enable this and like just talk to all the different teams, talk to all the different departments, and really make sure that you're not suddenly 
uh, changing my entire work layout. If I wake up one morning and I see that I cannot do my job anymore or I require like 10 more steps to do my work, I will actively work against you. Because yeah. what, what are you going to do next? Next up, you're going to tell me that like booting my computer will take 10 minutes because you're scanning everything a million times. It's like, you know, really, it, it, it's, a, it's a careful step that needs to be taken. Yeah. Suddenly you have a red team, man. The developer becomes a red <laughs> team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that could, that's, that's also good in an organization if you want to test. But um, yeah. So engage each other, connect yeah. with each other and to see uh, what happened for us as a consultant. Yeah. Uh, make the developers a, a user group yeah. and uh, have interaction with them to see uh, what things you can do to make the security posture on a, on a higher level in, the, in that organization. So it's possible, but you need to connect with each yeah. other. To, to add on that, for uh, to sum it up, is um, don't move, in my opinion, the problem to somewhere else don't block it i think if i listen to you guys i would then go for okay uh, open up that machine for example if it is required really mm. but keep your monitoring on it yeah so if something happened that you didn't expect or what the ideas was bad that you can go back at least and see what happened in your environment i think that would be um, my take also from this session instead of moving it to a virtual machine or to a Azure Fearless or somewhere else um, because then you also lose your visibility as security in our organization. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. We have lots of things to do, uh, to talk about. We are almost at 50 minutes. So, uh, in <laughs> when we start, so let's start with 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe. So, we're still at almost 50 at the moment. Um, so, I think... Might as well make it an hour. It's almost an no. hour. <laughs> um, so I think that's a good start. Um, and there are lots of topics within the DevSecOps um, environment that, that we can discuss. If you, as a listener, if you have topics, please let us know. If you want to discuss that with us, uh, please be invited. We have uh, three microphones at the moment, but there are two others in the, in the back. So if you want to join... Uh, please let us know so we can have a discussion and uh, see what the next steps are within uh, within the SecOps. Yeah, or if you have a business case, like if you have a question currently going on at your organization that you think it would be interesting for us to discuss that topic from yeah. three uh, different uh, backgrounds. Yeah, I would I would love to have that uh, also the post. If you're really shy and you don't want to join us, send it over. But if you are more than welcome, I think, uh, to join our session. Yeah, we are uh, live. Live. We are active on uh, Twitter. Or X, is it called uh, nowadays? Uh, talk, uh, security Talking. At Security Talking. talking at security. LinkedIn. Uh, talking Security. Uh, but also uh, email. Reach out. Info at TalkingSecurity.nl. And uh, we will pick up that question. Um, or if you want to join, please be invited. And uh, Otherwise... Thanks, guys, and see you all the next time. Thank, Thank you. you.